We're recognizing farms and homesteads that have been in the family for more than 100 or 150 years. I'm Nate Zimdars with the Midwest Farm Report. These families will get together at the Wisconsin State Fair in West Allis on August 8th for a celebratory breakfast. One farm being recognized is the Koss Farm. This farm has been located in Deerbrook, about six miles north of Anago, for 100 years. Tony Koss shares more about his family's farm. Tell me about the farm. What was the background in the farm getting acquired? How much did it cost? Okay, my uh, grandparents uh, are both from the Luxembourg-Casco area. Initial plans were they were going to head up to Michigan to join my uh, grandfather's two brothers. They were both working in the mines, and they were going to farm up in the UP of Michigan. And uh, on their way up there, the train stopped here in Deerbrook, and they spent the night at the hotel, and some of the locals were telling them about this farm that was for sale around the corner from the uh, the depot and the, the hotel here in Deerbrook. And they came and took a look at it, and they decided not to go any farther. So they bought the farm. This was in uh, August of 1923, and they paid $6,500 for a uh, 160-acre farm. And what is the name of the farm, and where exactly is it located? It's just the name of whoever's farming it now, like myself. It's, it was under my name, Tony Koss. Under my dad's name, it was Vernon Koss. And under my grandfather's name, it was Antoine Koss. But I guess a lot of, like my relatives, refer to it as the Koss Farm. And uh, it's located, uh, we're, uh, it's in Deerbrook here. We're about six miles north of Anigo, and I'm about uh, half a mile uh, west of U.S. Highway 45. How many generations have been on the farm? Three. So you are the third generation? Yes, I am. Can you tell me how has the size or type of farm changed over the years from when it was first bought to what it is today? Okay, when my grandfather and dad were here, they uh, raised potatoes and they milked cows. And at the very beginning, there was some uh, logging and lumbering, lumberjacking that was done to uh, clear a couple of fields off. They kept the, the milking and the potatoes until uh, the mid-1960s when my dad decided to just go full-scale into the dairy part of it. And there was a new barn, milk barn, that was built here in 1949. My grandfather retired off the farm in 1959, and my dad took over. And dad just decided to go full-scale into dairy instead and that where we are today. How many cows are you milking today, and how much land do you have? Okay, we have 160 acres, 40 acres were woods. We were milking uh, 45 cows. What makes your farm unique? I think what made it unique was whenever people drove by, they saw uh, two windmills on our farm. We had both of them were for uh, back in the years before for uh, providing water for the cattle. We had one out back by our woods, which my grandfather put there back in the 30s during the Dust Bowl times because they turned the animals into the woods to eat. So that way they could drink out there without having to come all the way back home. And then uh, we had one here right in the middle of the farm that, you know, we used to uh, water the cattle with all the time, too, so they could spend, you know, their time in the pasture rather than, you know, laying, you know, in a barnyard. And we also had a unique unloading system for hay. We used a, uh, a fork. We would take 10 bales up at a time and put them into the barn. And, you know, usually we had people stopping alongside the road just to see how that thing worked because, you know, we pretty much opened up the whole side of the barn. And a lot of people, you know, would stop in later and make comments that they'd never seen hay unloaded like that before.
What were some of the big events that have occurred on the farm over the years? Were there any significant storms, weddings, or other big events? There was a tornado that came through here. It was in the late 1930s to early 1940s, and it did some damage here. And in fact, it took one of the uh, stave silos down and completely destroyed it, as well as some other damage here on the farm. But other than that, we've held a couple of our family reunions here on the farm, and we've hosted a lot of the dairy judging for the four and uh, FFA kids here. And What were some of the big technology changes that have occurred on the farm over the last century? Well, obviously, uh, you know, the milking, you know, went from a vacuum uh, system to a pipeline system. My dad didn't do a whole lot with alfalfa. Yeah, you know, growing alfalfa, which when I took over, uh, I started a lot more with the alfalfa and high moisture corn. You know, we haven't, didn't really advance any farther than that. What were some of the fondest memories that you had from your childhood growing up on the farm and even today? I think it's just the fact that, you know, we're on a highway here that we have a lot of people that, you know, when we have cows out pasturing, we have people stopping by and wanting to take pictures. Uh, in fact, I remember a couple of times I was I would be out in a field when a cow just calved just to make sure the calf and cow were all right. And what was kind of cute was, uh, you know, we had a couple of carloads of kids that one time they saw this fresh calf laying there, and I went over to the uh, fence, and I said, you can come on in and pet it, and uh, they get just the biggest kick out of stuff like that. And, you know, these kids that haven't been on a farm before and see something like that, it kind of can't help but chuckle a little bit about it, that they're, you know, their amazement that they have. What does the future of a farm look like? Well, I sold the cattle out back in October 27th. It was 2019, and on November 3rd, I had to have knee replacement surgery. My knees just couldn't take it anymore. I'm still the owner here, but I do rent it out to a neighboring farm. It's still being used for crop production, whether it be corn or alfalfa or oats or uh, soybeans. And uh, I guess I would like to continue to do that here. Um, Down the road, we might buy a couple of beef animals or a couple of animals here just to have around to play around with, you know, down the road. Uh, You know, as long as we can keep it productive here um, and the neighbor takes very good care of it, you know, things are working out pretty good. What does it mean to you to be recognized for having a century farm? Well, I guess in this day and age, uh, you know, to have something 100 years old, whether it be a farm, whether it be a business, even a house, you know, that's quite an event today's society. And I know that, you know, my grandparents did a lot of hard work here you know, on the farm. So did my parents. You know, I lost my dad 12 years ago, lost my mother here at Easter. But the work that they did, you know, I just hope that, you know, we can continue on and continue it to be a nice, just a nice, comfortable place. Is there anything else that you would like to share about your farm? We're located up here, you know, the beautiful north woods of Wisconsin. The nice part is on a fall day, you only have to go two miles up the road. You can start enjoying fall colors and everything like that. I know that most of the dairy in Wisconsin now is, you know, central and southern part of the state, but there still are a few of us up here in the north woods that still have our farms and still have them operating. Tony Koss shares the story of his family's century farm. The Century and Sesquicentennial Farm Program originated as part of Wisconsin's Centennial Celebration in 1948. Each year, about 100 properties are honored. You can listen to some of these stories at MidwestFarmReport.com. These stories are brought to you courtesy of Compure Financial. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Nate Zemdars.